Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. To the Art of Badassery podcast, where we delve deep into the lives of extraordinary individuals who have faced unimaginable challenges and emerged as true badasses. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and today we have an incredible guest with a story unlike any other. Imagine growing up in a world shrouded in secrecy, isolated from the outside and within the confines of one of the world's most controversial organizations. My guest today, Catherine Spilino, did just that. She spent her formative years on a secluded ranch as part of the Sea Org School for Children, a branch of the Church of Scientology. Her upbringing was anything but typical, and her experiences truly are a testament to resilience, courage, and the human spirit. What makes her story even more remarkable is that from a young age, she documented her daily life, providing a unique window into the inner workings of the Church of Scientology. Her journal entries captured the thoughts, emotions, and experiences of a child coming of age in an environment that most of us can barely fathom. Today, Catherine is no longer a Scientologist. She's broken free from the confines of her past and now lives in Minneapolis with her husband, where they happily raise three rambunctious boys. Her journey from the Sea Org to the life she leads today is truly awe-inspiring. Catherine's story is not just about survival. It's about thriving against all odds. It's about finding strength within oneself to break free from a life she didn't choose and creating a new path filled with love, freedom, and happiness. Join us as we take a deep dive into her incredible story. Get ready for a conversation that will challenge your beliefs inspire your spirit and redefine what it means to be badass. Welcome, Catherine, to the show. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to speak with you. When I first read your bio, when you first reached out to me, I'll be completely honest, full vulnerability here. When I read Church of Scientology, my stomach did a little flip Mm -hmm. because with it came all of my preconceived, not preconceived, but all of my feelings and judgments about it. And there was a bit of fear. Do I want to go there? And then Mm. inner badass of me said, of course you want to go there. This is a great conversation. Mm -hmm. Can we go back to what prompted you to start documenting your experience? Because not everybody does that. Mm Mm-hmm. I loved to read as a young child. And luckily, even though I grew up in my strange environment that I had, I was provided books And um, a few of the books I read that were memoirs, I loved the idea of journaling. I was actually writing in my diary, I called it when I was young, from the age of 10. I just enjoyed doing it. And then as I became older, I read Anne Frank's diary and obviously very different life than mine. I would never compare our lives, but it really hit me emotionally. And I felt like, oh, I'm going to put everything I feel because this is where I would put it I obviously cannot write like she can either 
Um, but that's just was like kind of the inspiration I said and and I knew at that age by tw- by the time I was 12 that I was in an environment that was very unusual and I wasn't documenting everything in the in the sense of going after Scientology I was documenting it because I knew it was a strange existence so um fast forward to now and my now I'm in my late 30s but I wrote everything down in my 20s when I was coming out of Scientology but I was able to still capture that young voice of how how much I believed in Scientology and what I was what it was like to grow up without parents and think that you were supposed to just save the world that was what I believed and that my whole goal my whole sole purpose was to uh, be in the church of Scientology working us like a little soldier they call them Sea Org members so what how did you was it the outside books that influenced Mm -hmm. you to recognize that how you were living was unusual Yes. And I, we also had like a movie night every Saturday and we watched those teen flicks from the ni- 1990s, you know, 10 things I hate about you or early 2000s, bring it on. And those movies showed me a regular family with a house and a car. And of course, movies are not real life, but I don't know that I'm just seeing a different perspective than my own life. And I was, and I'm like, wow, none of these kids are living at a boarding school being treated like a young adult in a small body being having jobs I had a job and positions by the time I was eight years old working in the galley working out in the fields and then I would be studying Scientology studies and then a little bit of regular school and my whole existence was geared towards one day joining the Sea Org which I thought was strange (laughs) can I I I don't know anything about the organization how old would you Mm -hmm. have been when you were invited to join or had to join Sea Org? I was 14 years old. So that's when my schooling pretty much officially ended regular school. And I went to work for the Church of Scientology and they had on for anyone who was underage without a GED or uh, California high school equivalency exam, they would let us do Saturday school, which is still not enough schooling for a young teenager. Um, and then I worked a full-time job. I was just, but my work was Scientology task. And I lived in a dorm with mixed with grown-ups and young adults or young children like me. And all we did was every, everything dedicated to the Church of Scientology. So for your listeners, if they've seen this uh, picture of the big blue buildings, they're like in Los Angeles and it has a big Scientology across it. it that was called the PAC base. And that's where I lived. There's dorms there. And then I worked in one of the churches that are on what's called L. Ron Hubbard Way. And L. Ron Hubbard is the man who invented Scientology. Right. So I'm curious, as you were growing up in this environment, did you have friends that you would share your your thoughts with? And as a group, maybe go, hey, this is kind of interesting. Like, what do you think? And what do you, you know, what are your thoughts? Or was you know, it you kept inside? Yeah, it's not something you could talk about. You would get in trouble if it was something negative. So if you said, I want to leave, it was, it was not allowed to say you wanted to leave. If I said, I wanted to leave the ranch and go live a regular life, the place I lived at was on a ranch. I would get what be called written up a knowledge report. A friend could write me up and then I would get pulled into like the, what is called the ethics officer. They have a lot of their own terminology and be told to like fix myself, basically given lessons to read about Scientology. And then I would have to do hard labor until eventually I would like give in and get back with the group or be on the right side of things. Can I ask, and thank you for sharing that, by the way, can Mm -hmm. I ask where your parents were? 
Yeah, of course. They were at pack based for the most part. So my story begins, I wrote a book called The Bad Cadet, and it begins at the age of six. And I live in the same building as my parents, but I actually live in a dorm. And I'm with other six to seven-year-olds. And this is in Los Angeles, California. And my mom happens to be what's called a dorm mom, but she's in a dorm mom with other children who are younger than me by a year or two. And then I have my own dorm mom, super strange. <laughs> and I would see my mom and my dad on the weekend. That's when they get to be my mom and dad for a short period of time on a Sunday morning. So that was my beginning. My early memories was just Sunday morning with them. And we would go do laundry. We'd walk to the laundromat, do laundry, and then like go to the thrifties and get an ice cream. And by the time I was eight years old, though, I, I, I get told that I'm, it's time for me to go be a cadet. A cadet is somebody who is going to train to be a future SEAG member. And I go, get sent to the ranch. It's called uh, Canyon Oaks Ranch. And it was in the mountains above Santa Clarita. And I just didn't see my parents really until my mom got transferred there with some kids. And she's just there briefly. But I capture all this in my book as a young child. I'm just trying to, I'm just like, thinking this is all normal for so long and and I don't I'm not like sometimes I miss my parents but it's not something I think about often because I'm just not used to being around them yeah right boy when I said in my bio that it was a life most of us couldn't relate to mm -hmm. I wasn't kidding like that really is um it's unimaginable but I'm curious when what can you think back to the the time when you finally clicked 100 percent? okay this is not for me Mm -hmm. was there a specific incident or was it, had it been something that had like a little seed that had been growing and growing for years and years? It, it's seeds that grew, but every once in a while I would explode out of it and say like, I don't want to do this. And, and you will follow that as I'm like, I try to leave or I want to leave. And then I get either manipulated or I self-talk myself back into staying over and over repeatedly until in my, the, the journey of me as a young girl is like, do I ever get out? Obviously I do. I'm here now. How did I get from the part, part where I totally believe in Scientology and the Sea Org to thinking I'd rather move on and make a life for myself? And this book has been released already, correct? Yeah. I'll hold up the book. I hope it could show up with my... Uh... Yeah, it does show so it's up. It's called The Bag Cadet. Wonderful. And there will be a link to purchase the book in the show notes yeah. so if you that are listening because I know it's it's going to be a great read. So how old were you when you left? I was, when I left the Sea Org, I was 16 years old and entering the real world is what we would call it. Cause we got, we thought like there was our world and then there was the real world is what it was like. And so then it's, um, there's a whole nother journey I go through. There's actually gonna be a second book called the, the Bad Scientologist to show how, what it was like, I got out of the Sea Org but how do you leave that mind control of Scientology behind? That's a whole nother journey I had to experience. And there's um, moments where I have horrible things happen to me from the, from the Church of Scientology. Just to give the listeners an example, my brother, oldest, my older brother was sick. And I was told out of the blue that I was the one making him sick and that my family can no longer talk to me until... And I was under what's called a non-interpolation order. And if they got one negative report about me, I'm not even in the CORG. I'm just living my life at this point. But I get told this. They get one negative report from me that my parents will no longer ever be able to talk to me. And that would be like excommunicate from the church. And it was that was the amount of control they had on me and my family. 
and there was nothing I can do about it. And it was really hard. Um, and we came out of it and I was able to see them again. But from that moment, that's a big moment where I start to question things and wonder about what Scientology really was, what was it about? And a lot of people in Scientology, all of Scientologists will not go on the internet and read about Scientology or they will not hear anything negative about it. They put up a wall mm-hmm. and you'll find that with a lot of cults or with a lot of people who are zealots about things. They don't want to hear or they they are taught not to listen to information that is not from the source, like from the church Scientology. So that's how there's a whole second journey of me trying to come out of what's true and what's not true and end up where I am today. So did your whole family leave the Church of Scientology or just you? So just me. So I had to leave my parents behind and find a whole new life of my own. And then my older brother, I have two brothers. One of my other older brothers, when I left, was like inspired to that he also left shortly after me. So he is out with me and that's amazing to have him. And then, although like we see each other here and there, but, um, and then my mom and my dad and my oldest, oldest sister are still in the Sea Org and they don't talk to me at all. Like they excommunicated me. And so I had written this book for myself originally and I wasn't even going to publish it out of fear of losing my family. And um, then my a good dear friend of mine, Marion Francis, was on Leah Remini's show, The Aftermath, which is, I'd highly recommend for anyone wanting to know more about Scientology. And because I knew she was on the show and my my other friend was also on the show, my parents and my sister found out I knew. And so they said they no longer want to talk to me just because I knew that she was going to be on the show. Right. And that was that. So thank you again for sharing. I can't help mm-hmm. but wonder and I, I suspect some of our listeners are wondering too, what it was that keeps your family there or keeps all of these hundreds of thousands of people there. Do you do you even think about it or is it just a blank slate? That's, that's before, this is my life now. I'm not going to even think about it. Well, what they, what keeps them there is they genuinely believe they're saving the world. It's like a, um, if you are barely, really, really um, Christian, right? Like, the vaginal evangelical Christians. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but like, I know that they could be very closeted and like, this is the way it is. If you're not doing it that way, you're going to hell. So like for my parents and for my sister, they think that the world is in trouble. They need to get people into Scientology. There's services in Scientology called the bridge. So you do training or what's called auditing, which is similar to counseling. People pay for it public. And they go up what's called a series of steps called a bridge to total freedom. So you're enlightening people. You're going to help all these people. We're going to make the world a better place. So that's like their core purpose. So when they go, this is what we're doing. Oh, your daughter is going against that. Then, well, the world is more important than your daughter. So that's how they can shunt me off like that. Um, I'm trying to like, that's how I'm seeing how they would rationalize it. Obviously, you can be helpful to the world and still have not do all of those things and have uh, close your relationships off with family members just because they don't agree with you. So how are you today? You obviously haven't spoken to your family and since you left, since you were 16? No. So they still, we still saw each other. I was a Scientologist for many years. And then um, the incident with my brother getting sick happened. And for a moment there, they were not talking to me. 
And then randomly they were like, okay, actually you're allowed to talk to your brother. Uh, the church said that. And no apology, it's just you're back because we need to check and see if you qualify for, or you guys are bone marrow match, if I matched with my brother and so on. And then um, there was a whole journey there. And then unfortunately my brother did pass away. Um, but we were still in each other's lives. And my mom and dad came to my wedding. I moved to Minnesota with my uh, boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband. I had children. My So my mom and dad would come like once a year and I would go to California to see them. And they held my babies. I have twins and a, and a 10-year-old right now. But when they, when everything happened with Leah Remini's show, they just stopped. They no longer saw my grandkids either. And it, it was just, even my brother, who also, it's not even his best friend. It shouldn't even matter if it was my best friend that was on the show. On top of that, <laughs> they did to my brother too. And it, it was so irrational and sad. And I didn't believe it for a while. Kept trying to reach out, not getting any messages. So that was six years ago. And then eventually I had to just focus on my life because I had baby twins and I had a three-year-old at the time. So then I just was got immersed in my life and I was like, you know what? This is something I can't control. And I also got a therapist <laughs> to help say. me did you get help process everything. Yes, I so did get a therapist because I needed somebody to talk about everything that was going on. Um, also I needed help with how to be a mother because I didn't have that role model of a mother. So I needed to know what was normal. What do I do when my kids aren't listening? How do you respond? Like I, you, I would always try to do my best always, but like when I find myself getting angry, cause they weren't like my three-year-old wasn't getting dressed or he was getting distracted. And I'm, and I just wanted to know the tools, the appropriate tools of how to talk to a manage a three-year-old which as anyone knows is very challenging um so Absolutely. even at the best of times parenting is the toughest job ever <laughs> what I'm hearing though Catherine is mm -hmm. first of all I want to just congratulate you for having the courage to mm -hmm. really question because that's the beginning right when we have the courage to be curious then it opens up all kinds of doors so just want to say that right off the bat. I think it's amazing that you were courageous enough to question. So we're going to take a short break right now, but I'll be back with my guest within 60 seconds. Ladies, unlock your inner badass and transform your life with my monthly subscription workshop. For just $47 a month, you'll have exclusive access to work closely with me, Mahara Wayman, as we dive deep into all things badass from personal development to conquering your goals. Imagine waking up every day with confidence, purpose, and a smile that radiates your newfound strength. Take advantage of this badass opportunity and join us today at www.mindfulnesswithmahara.com and start your journey toward a happier, more confident you. Smile when no one is looking. You've earned it. But now what, I'm, what I want to talk about is recognizing the importance of our upbringing, because you didn't have, you didn't have, you weren't taught how to communicate, how to be a mom, how to communicate mm -hmm. or to be, to, to do things in the, in the outside world, because you were raised in the Sea Org or you were raised in the church of Scientology. So was there a level of anger, guilt, confusion, any of that before you got the therapist, when you realized, wait a second, I don't even have the tools to be, to do to interact in this way that's considered 
normal in mm-hmm. society. Was there any level of that? Or did you have you found over the years that you've really put the anger behind you? Or maybe you never had it. I don't know. Um, regarding my parents, I think like everything that happened there with them no longer talking to me and um, my brother and my, and my sister also not talking to us. I just needed someone to talk to about it and like be sad about it with. And then I was fine. Like the anger part was never really, it was more sadness, I would say. I was just sad that they, I had seen it happen already to my friends where their parents had disconnected from them. So I had seen it happening and I'd always hoped that would never happen with us. And then it did. So it was just more like sad. Um, And regarding my children, I thought I was doing a great job as a mother. I still do think I do a good job. I just, I also was some, sometimes I would get upset. Sometimes I get angry and I didn't like that because I grew up being yelled at all the time. I didn't even have the nurturing side to like balance it. And at least I have, I have not nurturing and stuff. And I just wanted to make sure I was doing it the best way I could. So I I wouldn't say like, I thought I was like a horrible mother. I think I just wanted to talk about these. This is how I react when they're angry. Is that the right way? Like, or I'll say, okay, I'm, I try to walk away, tell them, okay, I'm getting upset. I'm going to walk away and model what to do if I'm angry, how to calm myself down. And what should I do when I feel myself getting angry, like try to take three deep breaths or, you know, that was, I think the therapist was just like a, like a sounding board. And she was, she's great because she, I picked one, you know, you can look at their qualifications. She used to teach ECFE. She was involved with children. um, And like, she was a woman and a mother. I wanted those things because that's what was important to me. I needed somebody who could you know, relate to that. And she's been great for the, I still speak with her like once every four or five months, I just check in. And now my kids are going through this developmental stage. And is this normal? Meaning is this what a developmental reaction? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, cause when, when like one kid's like behaving great and then all of a sudden they have a hard time with all of the, these things, what's going on? Why is this happening? Being, having someone to talk about that with. I think it's important to talk to notice those of you that are listening that one of the key I think one of the key components to being badass is being okay to ask for help mm-hmm. because life shows us and this is a beautiful example that um, shit happens and sometimes we don't have the skills to deal with, with it and it is okay to ask for that right badasses mm-hmm. aren't perfect in my world a bad because you know I think I'm badass and I know I'm not perfect. But it really is more a case of recognizing that we're worthy and doing whatever it takes to let the world know that we're worthy as well, whether it's worthy as a mom, as a friend, as a lover, as a wife, as a worker, as just a community person, you know, it is, it is okay to ask for help. So I'm really proud of you for doing that because like, like you've already explained, you didn't have the role models growing up, right? Your, your upbringing was quite different. It didn't prepare you for this. Um, so where are you at today? You've already explained that you've written this amazing book. You've got another one in the mm-hmm. works. What else, what else can you say, share with us about your life today? Well, I'm really luckily happily married. So, um, I actually met my husband when I was still a Scientologist. So to have, we are boyfriend and girlfriend dating and to have somebody, a good partner and a best friend has been amazing. 
and we have three kids and I love it. And now I started tutoring at the school that my boys go to. So that's been really awesome. So I'm just, I'm enjoying the thing that drove me to its core and that you'll read in my book is that I like to have fun and adventures. And I was constantly getting in trouble for that. Like, stop dancing, stop singing, stop being so loud. And now I can do all of those things and I can have fun with my children and go on trips and do what we want. And it's all on our own terms. So that's been, that's like where I'm at today is I just, I really am grateful for my life. And it's been over 20 years since I left the Sea Org and Scientology. And it still makes me grateful every day for like what I have. Even if I have a hard day with my kids, if one of them is really having major tantrums, I'm all, I'm still going to be like, this is like, he knows he's safe here. That's why he lets go. He does not do that at school. And I, and I'm like, I'm just grateful that I have this safe environment and we're all here together. And like, there's always another day, you know? Would you say that gratitude, did you experience gratitude when you were younger as, as part of the church? Or is this something fairly new that you've developed? Because we, you know, we talk about it all the time. Having, having an attitude of gratitude is what gets you through the tough times. Did it mm-hmm. develop while you were young in the church? Or did you really develop afterwards when you left? I think I learned in the church was to always look on the bright side because there's constantly bad stuff happening to me and I would have to rally myself up and like push through it. So now to this day, I still do that whenever something bad happens. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't great, but what can we make out of it? What can we turn into? What what can we do to make something out of it? Um, and I I genuinely do believe it's a character trait that I had since I was a child, like if anybody reads my book, they're going to see it and see that like spirit I have. It's like, I never get beaten down. I'm always bouncing back up. Oh, so beautiful. What's the biggest thing that you learned about yourself from this journey of going from the sea org to living the life of, you know, you're the mom of three beautiful boys and writing a book mm-hmm. and, and finding joy and happiness and excitement in all of your life. What's the biggest thing that you've learned going from here to here? I literally, and I'm not trying to be cheesy, but I think I'm a badass. Like, it's just like, I didn't, I didn't succumb. Like I have friends I grew up with who just stay in the Sea Org and they've given up their lives. Like you can't even have children in the Sea Org. And it's like, there goes such a big part of you because you're choosing, you know, I'm saving the world, but it's like, and so that's why you make that they, they sign a billion a year contract. And they're just, I was in the Sea Org. I know what the day-to-day life is like. It's drudgery. It's the long, menial tasks, trying to get public to buy things. It's very money hungry. It's a very sad existence. And I'm so glad that as a teenager, I was a badass. And I was like, I have no family out. All of my family's in the Scientology and the Sea Org. I'm leaving it behind. Outside world is supposed to be a bad place, but I don't care. It looks more fun than here. So I'm going to give it a shot. So- yeah. So good. I can't help but wonder though, and I don't necessarily want to open up a can of worms, but mm-hmm. what it makes me think of is, first of all, I was going to question, are your friends unhappy or are they happy? Because, you know, if people really can, if that, if they've bought into it and they like it and it makes sense to them and they're happy, party on. I think the problem mm-hmm. or the challenge comes when they can say secretly or whispered, I'm not happy and I wish I could do what you did. 
So mm-hmm. I'm just curious if, if what you see with your friends that are still there is they're like, Catherine, give it up. I'm happy. I'm okay. Or mm-hmm. are you, do you, are you picking up on the, I'm kind of wishing I were you right. Cause there's a difference. Yeah. Oh gosh. So here's the deal. They can't even talk to me. I'm excommunicated. I'm like an evil devil to them. I, I don't even, I haven't talked to some of my childhood friends in 15 years. Um, some of them six years more intently, like they excommunicated me, blocked me on social media, all of that because of, well, actually that didn't happen. The blocking on social media didn't happen until my book came out like a year ago, but I was moving. I was already here in Minnesota, but what I'll say about the people who stayed is that they are okay with doing what they're told. Like they are happy because to, I don't know, like it, to me, it's, it's hard for me to fathom it. So they just march along to whatever they're told. But the problem here is that if they are unhappy, they can't talk about it. And that is a very bad thing to not have freedom to voice your, you can't even talk to your spouse. They can write you up. Like that's that, like, we haven't really delved into what Scientology is. And I hope that some of you will either read this book or go, you can go on YouTube and watch people's stories called on SPTV or the Aftermath series. Highly recommend it because what Scientology does is they make you so insular inside the church. Everything is so dependent on each other. And if you say one negative thing, you can get kicked out and you lose everything. So people are not going to communicate anything that they feel sad about or upset about. And if they do, they will get handled, meaning they will get auditing or really brainwashing to know that what they're thinking is wrong and they need to fix themselves so that they're back with the group. Thank you for for pointing that out. And I, it's one of those questions. It's one of these conversations that really there is no, there's no easy answer because to your mm-hmm. point, they can't, they can't, if they're too scared to share their conversation or their thoughts, then that in itself can be viewed as, oh my God, that's not freedom. That's, you know, that's hell. But mm-hmm. Really, what I'm impressed about and what I think is worth sharing with the world is that despite all of the mm, struggles that permeated your young life, mm-hmm. had the courage to ask the questions to do to do to break out, right? To choose mm-hmm. to choose the life that you wanted. Because really, this this platform isn't about denigrating the Church of Scientology. It's about celebrating. Mm-hmm your ability to put yourself first, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I, yeah, I think that's that's commendable. And that is what I think makes, it is what makes you a badass because you're like, hey, this isn't actually me. Mm-hmm. So if, I don't know what's out there, but I'm willing to find out. And to me, that is total badassery. And absolutely, especially from, a, from an outsider's point of view, what little I know about your experience, I'm like gobsmacked oh my God, you made it. Like you're (laughs) wonderful. So I really want to highlight that you really demonstrated the courage of being true to your desires and your honesty about it. What do you want? You've got the one book that's written and I'm, Mm -hmm. tell me what the, what the reason behind writing that book was, was it typically just a catharsis for your feelings or did you want the world to know something? It was both. First was just to put out my feelings and like process it all. 
And then um, once my parents disconnected from me, I lost the reason why I would never write the book in itself. And then I really thought about, okay, what am I going to do with this? Am I actually going to write a book? And then even then while I was writing, I'm like, will I ever release this? I don't know. I don't know. And then I wrote it and I wrote it and I decided, you know, there's not really a book out there in Scientology that shows the good and the bad. And I do capture the good too. It's my, through my young eyes. I showed my young child self, oh, that boy's cute. Oh, I want to do this. Like while I'm in the Church of Scientology, you know, it's a very young coming of age story. And I realized I wrote something that's very accessible for people to read, to understand what it was really like to grow up in Scientology. And I'm proud of it. And I like that it's it's different. It's not an attack on Scientology, ironically, when you were just talking about that. I now on my podcast and when I've been on interviews, I do say share the darker side of Scientology, but my book isn't really going to do that. The reader is going to decide for themselves. I'm just telling facts of like my parents were literally pressured to lose me and they are willing to do it. And this is normal. This has happened to many of the cadet friends who have left. They have that that power over these people where they think it's okay to just cut people out over and over and over. And they're also a money hungry organization. We could keep going down the list. I'm just trying to show the side of what is it like for a young girl growing up in the church of Scientology's inner, inner sea org, which is different than just being a Scientologist. It's like my parents work for the church, which is, it's a whole, a whole new ball game. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And it sounds like that in itself is quite brave to be willing to say, hey, there's good and bad. I'm so curious about this book because I'm also an author. Your first book, it was released a year ago, correct? Mm -hmm. Or in April of this year. April, okay, so it's fairly, it's it's uh, a fairly new release. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would change from it or are you thinking, yeah, I nailed it. That's exactly what I wanted it to be. Well, you're an author. You know how much we wanna edit it over and over. <laughs> I still want to change a few things, but overall, I'm very happy with it. I think I did a good job. I had to really edit it down to have all the parts that I felt delivered as to why I am who I am today. And that included cutting some parts of my life that really meant a lot to me, but probably don't really matter to other people, you know, or it doesn't help tell the story. Um, but overall, I think I did that with the book. Sometimes I feel like it's a little too silly, but that's okay. It's okay to have a little lightheartedness and darkness. <laughs> oh my goodness. It absolutely is. It, it is. I think that's wonderful. I'm curious though, as you sit here and your energy is so beautiful and light, what is it that you want the world to know most about Catherine? I think I just want them to know that I'm just a normal girl. I am not actually a bad cadet, but I had spirit and I just, um, that and, and that's a good thing. And I'm proud of myself now. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like I now look back and I'm like, I never really bought it, bought it, the whole story. And I just found my own way out. So I guess I just want them to know that I do know that I'm not a bad person that I'm a good person and that I'm just living my life. Oh, that's so powerful. And what I'm hearing as well, and I really appreciate it. And I want our listeners to understand why I'm saying what I'm going to say which is, I appreciate your willingness to show both sides, not only of your story and the growth that you saw within it, but also both sides of a very controversial organization. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that in itself takes a lot of courage because I know from experience, you know, when, when people jump on a bandwagon, there's a level of excitement. I'm going to jump on this bandwagon of anger, right? Or this bandwagon of how could they, or this bandwagon of that is evil, or that's, you know, that's whatever. Mm-hmm. And I encourage to go, okay, but wait a second, let's get, let's get a more complete story from here. So and I want to thank you for that, because that has definitely opened my eyes a little bit, because, you know, I'm like your average Westerner, like, oh, culture Scientology, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that you have brought that level of honesty and um, and and vulnerability to the conversation, right? Because that's that's yeah. how you saw it. When can we expect the follow up? The second book I hope to have out in 2024. So hopefully summer 2024. And I hope to get an audible version of the Bad Cadet. This first book out by like I was hoping for October, but then summer with the kids home. Forget it. Never gonna have a quiet space. So I have to finish recording now that they're back at school, but I'm hoping hopefully by Christmas, I'll have an audible out as well. Wonderful. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I've loved hearing more about your story. I can't wait to get my, you know, get my hands into your current book and look forward to your second one. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to share your story with us and with our listeners and, and, and to really just celebrate that you are living the life that you've chosen and you're mm-hmm. willing to do the work. And it's not about being perfect people. It's about listening to yourself and what's really listening to your intuition and knowing and questioning and asking and asking for help and, you know, doing what needs to be done to live the life that you, that you want for yourself and, and for your family. So I say congratulations to you and thank you again for joining us today. Guys, check out the show notes. I'll have lots of information there about what Catherine does, about what I do. I really hope that you've enjoyed this conversation and I challenge you to question your beliefs that you have held so strong if it's, a, if it's about something that you actually don't know that much about. Because if you have a strong feeling about it, it may be worth investigating and, and hearing and learning more before you, you, you know, jump into one camp or the other. Catherine, thank you very much. I will see you all next week on The Art of Badassery. Hope you have an amazing week, everyone. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you. Thank you.